And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. And, um, I mean, Wendy, um, I'm just checking whether you are on the line. I'm here. I'm oh, here you're there. You're in the studio. Um, did you hear me talking about those angry drivers? Because I think I there did. should be an ombudsman for, for drivers <laughs> and then repeat offenders should go to anger management No, classes. this is a subject uh, dear to my heart. Um, <laughs> I my, my special worst is when you get sworn at or gesticulated at by someone that's actually in the wrong, but they don't know the, the rules of the road. So they're, they're thinking exactly. that you're wrong. That's my special <laughs> favorite. Then you've got to remember that lovely saying about anger or it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. And it's especially true if when they're encapsulated in their cars and you think, well, as you were saying, you can't hear them. Yeah. <laughs> their so blood pressure's the up, they're ranting and raving and you're like, whatever. So, yes, I always say if you, you know, they wouldn't, especially people who cut into, you know, lines at, at off ramps and that kind of thing, they'll go in the, in the, in the lane that's supposed to be for straight and they'll make it into a turning lane and pause. Force their way, and I, I think they wouldn't do that in a supermarket with the trolley. Most unlikely, yeah. because they don't have the protection of the car, and everybody, you know, would be in their face about it. So if you wouldn't do it with a supermarket trolley pushing in and all those other obnoxious things, don't, don't do it in do your it on car. The road. As mm. Lynn says, um, just blow. I just blow them a kiss. I mean, kill them with kindness. <laughs> That's is what lovely. I say. <laughs> Just a reminder to listeners that Wendy is with us for uh, the next hour to answer all of your consumer-related questions and to share the latest consumer news. And the second half of this segment is an open line, so you're really welcome to call in with any consumer query that you may have. And that number again, 021-446-0567. Or you can send an SMS, 31567, or leave a voice note on 072-567-1567 if you prefer. And Wendy, today we're talking about double debits. Yes, we are. It's a scenario that most of us have experienced, um, I'm quite sure, at least once. So you've, you've got to pay for something. You hand over your debit card. Everything seems fine. You get that beep SMS from your bank notifying you of the successful payment and the d- deduction from your bank account. And then the cashier says, sorry, it wasn't successful. And she shows you the um, notification on the, the what we call the card machine. It's officially the point of sale machine. Um, so who do you believe? Do you believe your bank or do you believe the retailer? Um, most people, it seems, believe the bank and put their trust in that SMS. And mm. retailers say it's very hard to convince customers that the transaction declined slip from their point of sale machine, the card machine, um, that, that that actually trumps the SMS from their banks because the customers believe it's the other way around. And this, talking about anger, Mel, this leads to ugly scenes at toll points across the country. In extreme cases, I'm told consumers um, resort to violence when asked to pay again, hand over their card again, and others storm off with goods refusing to pay again. I've heard from um, people who own um, fuel stations that, that many have just driven off with the fuel in their tanks and refused to to pay again because they've got this SMS from the bank. It's the cashier or the petrol attendant that has nothing to do with any of it that that bears the brunt of the customer's anger. Of course. And the fact is that the the SMS which the bank sends to its customers is not absolute transactional proof that this money has come off your account. A card machine will always print either a slip indicating the successful transaction or a slip with details of the error. And if that error ticket is printed by the card machine, you can be sure that the transaction has not been processed yet. That's what you must put your trust in, um, not in that SMS that you that, that initial SMS you get from your bank saying that it's 
Correct. If it's overrided by an error thing from the card machine, the card machine trumps the SMS that you get from your bank. Is so basically so how it works. What should consumers be doing when they face okay, with so that exact scenario? Is to believe the cashier when she shows you that the card saying it's not successful and not to hold up your SMS from the bank as solid proof that you have paid. But you must protect yourself. Um, if you are asked to swipe your card again, insist on being given that slip with the error details so that if you're checking your bank statement later and there was in fact a double debit you paid twice, then you have something solid to dispute it with. Um, so that's, that's the basic advice. And um, worst case yep. scenario, say the retailer says, well, we're not going to hand over that slip. Um, well, the, the shop's uh, card machine will send the request to your bank. The bank approves the transaction and sends you an approval SMS. So um, that approval message will be sent to the merchant's card machine. And if it fails to receive the, the machine because of a timeout or uh, some kind of network issue, um, that's a technology fail, basically. This whole thing is around timing, Mel. It's about um, that message, the, the initial message coming through too early before the whole system. You can imagine you've got two banks involved and the technology and the cashier and you. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem with synchronization of timing. Um, if they refuse to hand over the slip, which they're unlikely to, well, um, your, your um, statement, again, will show that you have a double debit and you can then dispute it uh, via your bank and the retailer. Um, the issue is, um, you know, what do you what can be done about it um and 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 what you know what should consumers do in that situation so pippa hudson um who's enjoying a lovely holiday as we speak <laughs> spotted a notice about the, this phenomenon in her local spa it was um written by the group's retail systems manager rick wheeler and um he was pretty forthright, not pulling any punches. Um, this is what the notice said. For more than two years now, retailers in South Africa have shouldered the blame from customers for double debits. The banks in South Africa are aware that this is an issue, but have refused to publicly acknowledge the problem. Retailers have to deal with angry customers when a double debit occurs in the store. It would appear that the banks have not communicated the correct procedure for dealing with these double de debits to their branches. Many customers return to our spa stores demanding a refund. The bank's response is that the double debit was caused by retailer systems and not the bank systems. In the event of a double debit, the retailer does not get paid because the transaction is automatically reversed when the card authorization process is incomplete. If the store refunds the customer, they are giving away the goods as the bank doesn't reimburse the retailer when this happens. The correct procedure for a spa customer is to, f to follow when a double debit occurs is if you don't receive an automatic reversal within 48 hours, contact the local branch of your bank and report the issue. That's very so clear. It's very clear, um, and it's nicely summarized, certainly from a grocery um, service provider's point of view, and I'm sure that similar things happen with all retailers. Um, and is that, now notice, and is that notice still valid now? Okay, so I did uh, get hold of uh, Rick Wheeler earlier in the week to find out. He said, yes, the notice is still valid. He did concede that the banks have um, recently put mechanisms in place to check for and cancel duplicate debits at the end of each working day. But the basic problem, he said, as I said earlier, the problem of timing with these messages remains. So the bank sends that payment confirmation SMS, um, and it's, it's part one of a four-step process. And if for any reason authentication fails 
authentication authentication <laughs> fails in the next three, and the retailer doesn't get paid. The customer insists, based on that initial SMS, the premature one in his view, that the payment was successful. And he says, I understand from a technical point of view that there is a problem. I understand that. But from a retailer's point of view, I have no sympathy at all because we, the retailers, are the ones that have to take the abuse, the, the distrust, the failure to pay, brand damage, and, extre- and in extreme cases, he said, violence from cons- customers who, who absolutely refuse to um, pay again because they, they're convinced that they have already paid. Um, he says the banks keep promising to do something about that, but uh, making that kind of change at the back end um, is very challenging. So he conceded that, um, and that's where we sit. So it's just to um, alert consumers as to what's going on, why it's happening, and, and what to do about it. And what do the banks actually say? I did ask several banks for the input on this issue. Two of them came back to me. FNB said the bank has been part of a collaborative industry process to find a sustainable solution to the issue of duplicate transactions from an issuing and acquiring point of view. Um, and we're in the process of ex- executing the recomm- recommendations that were proposed by the project team to ensure that all issues in the reversal life cycle are addressed. That's very mm-hmm. bank speak. But basically the banks and the retailers, representatives of them, have been meeting about this issue for quite some time. Um, FNB said we urge our cardholders that may be experiencing issues to contact the bank immediately. APSA said the double debiting problem has a negative impact on both customers and merchants. It's an industry-wide issue currently impacting all payment participants. Industry players are working actively towards an industry-wide solution under the stewardship of the Payments Association of South Africa. The industry position, according to APSA, is acquiring banks, that's the bank that's going to receive the money from you, so it would be in, say, Spars Bank, and retailers must be must do a software update to ensure that they can do reversals immediately. All issuers, that's the pay, payers bank, need to ensure that they receive re- reversals, apply these immediately, and then communicate to their cardholders accordingly. So it won't be just the shop assistant saying, sorry, the payments failed, but the you and I will get a message from our banks to confirm that so we don't feel mistrustful. Mm. And all banks, those making the payment and those accepting it, must attempt to align the timeout values as prescribed by BankServe, MasterCard and Visa as these are not currently aligned. This will prevent terminals from timing out, which ultimately results in the reversal. So as I say, it's quite technical, obviously, Mm. as these payment systems always are, but but the upshot is... It's a timing issue. It's because of a mistiming that you get your confirmation where it's actually the, the transaction hasn't gone through because there's been timeouts or a drop in the – we, can, the all, we can all understand a, a, a signal failure or something mm. like that. Um, and the problem is created because I don't think the banks have done enough to educate the consumers about the fact that actually we might have sent you that SMS, but – a failure notice on the card machine that the cashier is trying to show you actually trumps that. That's, if it says failure, it's failure. Take the printout and pay again, and that will um, result in a lot fewer of these um, horrible disputes in stores. It's happened to me, and you do feel somehow that, you know, um, yeah. you're you going do, to be paying twice it. and you're going to have yeah. the schlep. Yes, it happened to me quite recently at a little place down the south coast of KZN um, and it was reversed later so yeah it's just to, to tell people out there don't you know the, the card machines fail a notice trumps your SMS from the bank in a nutshell that's how and it the works. banks essentially haven't found that 
proper technological solution just yet. No, that's the timing needs to work better, but it's um, apparently a lot more complicated um, than than a layperson might think. So until that's sorted out. Um, know that your SMS from the bank saying, you know, payment confirmed, this amount's come off your bank account. If the failure um, notice from the card machine happens at the same time, that's the one to go by. Your your payment hasn't gone through. There are cases, different cases, not the scenario where there is a, a glitch. I've covered one recently. I took it up um, with a restaurant that said all their patrons on a certain day were double charged, and it was, um, it was a, they were actually double charged and that was then sorted out but I'm talking about this scenario where it's just a timing issue and um, for some reason the transaction didn't happen and then you must pay again. I mean that's credit cards but it does remind me of a debit another, cards as well. um, yeah mm. that was brought up by another listener um, who asked about whether companies can uh, refuse cash payments. Interesting one this and I must admit I wasn't 100% sure of the answer so um, Maura Debendetti um, said a shop assistant who's up in Brooklyn Mall, up north, uh, told her that they don't accept cash anymore, only credit cards. And she wrote, cash is still legal, legal tender in South Africa, isn't it? Is it legal to refuse a payment in cash given that cash is legal mm. tender? I know retailers can refuse to accept too many coins, and we'll get to that in a bit later. But in my case, I didn't even... Um, have the time to take my notes out of my purse. They just said, sorry, uh, no cash. Shouldn't they at least have a visible notice about this outside the shop? I wasted my time selecting my purchase, and only at the last moment they notified me that they weren't prepared to accept my cash. I went to the Payments Association of South Africa, and they weren't 100% sure. Um, And then I went to the Reserve Bank, who said... um, The RAND is the legal currency of South Africa and as such represents the only approved payment method for cash. However, the payment ecosystem is far broader and consists of a number of different payment mechanisms. Due to security risks um, in some cases, some retailers have opted not to accept physical cash anymore but prefer other payment mechanisms such as debit and credit cards. So, for example, I've had the situation, this is where it started, where you go to a game reserve and they have a little little reception, little thatched, you know, little area where you arrive and then you must now pay entry or whatever. And um, because of the risks of of, um, robbery or theft, you can only pay by car. They don't want those people sitting in that remote area with cash. Um, But it seems to be a much more widespread now. I I went to a little outlet in a suburban area um, to buy some food, and there was a notice there as well. Sorry, no cash, only card. So I think for security reasons, we're going to start seeing more and more of this. And the upshot is that um, they are within their rights to say we're not accepting cash, only card. And I think, you know, it would be a supply and demand thing if the market would dictate. If a, if they were, a lot of their customers were boycotting them or, you know, going elsewhere because they felt that they, you know, either didn't ha- have a card or didn't want to use it or whatever, then they would change that policy. But for those that it works for, for whatever reason, um, they are, the bottom line is that they are entitled to say we don't take any cash. Well, That's Amy tells me I've that just, we yes. have just got a quick voice note on this exact topic, so I'm going to ask Obi to just quickly play that. Okay. Hi. Um, I've got a credit card machine at my store, and I've been told that I am not allowed to add the percentage that I'm charged 
by the company for the pleasure of having the machine, I am not allowed to charge the client that. Now, there's something's got to be wrong there because I'm lo I'll be losing money. The, like, the percentage is like 1.5, 2% that I'm charged on a transaction. Now, if I'm taking uh, credit cards for 20, 30, 40,000, then imagine the commission that I'm paying on that and losing off of the job. It's not fair. And yet the uh, card payment services or whatever they're called say we're not allowed to charge the client that percentage on top of their price, which I think is all wrong. Wendy, can retailers charge extra if they... No, they can't. It's interesting to hear it from the point of view of the merchant. Um, if he was wearing his consumer hat, he might, and shopping elsewhere, he might feel differently. But the bottom line is, is like, <laughs> bottom line, is that it is contrary to the merchant's agreement that um, retailers sign with a bank that's providing them with that point of sale machine. They may not pass on their bank charges to their customers. So we customers pay our own bank charges when we transact. Some of us pay a monthly fee, you know, as a as a lump sum rather than on every transaction. But we do pay bank fees. And the merchant needs to pay the bank fees as well. And it's not fair, talking about not fair, for the consumer to pay both their bank fees and that of the merchant. So the merchant has two choices. Either they don't accept card at all, card payments, because mm. they don't want to pay um, that, that fee. Or they provide a card um, service, but they may not add extra. And it's also contrary to the Consumer Protection Act to do that. The Act says, you know, you can't add on to that price. You can't add on the VAT and you can't add on any credit card or debit card service fees. It ha you, you can discount a price for cash, but you can't add on to the general advertised price for use of a card. So I, I understand that it seems unfair to the merchant, but you must then adjust your, your retail prices to account for that. But you can't add on anything for those customers who choose to pay by card. We are chatting to uh, <laughs> we are chatting to expert consumer specialist Wendy Nola. We're going to have to take a quick news break, and then we're going to get into the open line. So, if you have any questions, do give us a call: o two one four four six o five six seven. There's also the WhatsApp line: o seven two five six seven one five six seven, or the SMS line: three one five six seven. Consumer talk, open line. 25 to 2, Melanie Rice in for Pippa Hudson, and I'm talking to Wendy Nola. So if you have any consumer-related questions, give us a call, 021-446-0567, the WhatsApp line, 072-567-1567, the SMS line, 31567. Wendy, let's go to some of the questions that have already started coming in. Um, one uh, listener asks... What about minimum card swipes? Are those legal? Um, this listener is saying, for example, some bars in Cape Town have a minimum swipe of 100 rand. I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that um, allows for that. So you either allow the card or you don't. Okay. Easy there's a percentage of the spend. So, I mean, you know, it's not like they've got to pay a flat fee whether you, you know, buy something for 10 rand or 1,000 rand. It's, it's a percentage. So that shouldn't be an, it shouldn't be a factor. I've encountered that as well, where the, where the retailer has said, no, there's a minimum spend. So that's good to know. There's another question saying, um, what about pending transactions affecting your available funds? When you try and swipe again, you don't have enough money in available yeah. funds. That's, I think they're probably referring to when you go and rent a car. 
they they put a hold on on certain funds because they want to check that you haven't dinged the car and they don't you know they need to access funds. I, I think that might be the scenario. Um, I think that is allowable. Um, um, there, where I pick up um, complaints is when the hold doesn't get f- released soon enough, and then people get really annoyed. So my advice would be when you go to hire a car. Interrogate, the, interrogate them around that issue if they don't explain it fully enough or, or even you know, before you even decide which rental company to transact with. If that's an issue for you, um, then find out exactly what they're going to hold, what that means and when it will be released so that you know exactly what you're dealing with before you, try, before you give your business to that company. Ask as many questions as you can, yeah. Mm. Okay, um, there are, are two voice notes um, Obi, let's take a listen to the first one. Hi, Wendy. There's a an appliance store in Cape Town who, we, who only accepts credit cards for small values. But if you buy a large appliance like a dishwasher, they charge you 5% extra if you're paying with a credit card. Okay, not allowed. Sorry. Uh, no, go ahead, Wendy. We'll play the, the next voice note just now. All right, so that's that's not allowed, as I said, um, and uh, that certainly complain to the merchant. You can complain to their bank because they have the the power to take away that point of sale machine, and the the, the, the banks do encourage you to report it if you complain to the banks. Um, and uh, there was another thought I had as she was speaking. I just can't quite remember what it was. But no, it's not okay for a retailer to pass on their banking charges to their customers. It's part of the cost of doing business. They must build it into the the retail price. Don't, um, you know, they can either refuse all card payments, but if you offer the card payment, it has to be, um, you know, without any conditions. Okay. Let's take a listen to that second voice note who says that um, it's not fair for the business to have to pay the card um, commission for card transactions. Um, I'd like to point out that in terms of payment methods, cash and card both have an expense. On the credit card, it's a commission that the business pays for safely getting the the money to their bank account in one easy step. If they accepted cash, they would pay to bank that cash through cash deposit fee and they would incur the risk or the cost of having to get that cash to the bank. So whether they pay the security company or cash collection company to do it or whether they took that risk on their own person to take the trip to the bank, there's a cost of transacting in cash. Yeah, and that's that is a wonderful point. Thank yeah. you very much for making it. I appreciate it. Yeah, and Lindsay also makes the point. She sent in a, a WhatsApp saying, I think the gentleman who complained about credit card charges should consider the positive aspects to his business with regard to this method of transaction. The costs of depositing cash are high and the risks mm. of holding this cash are high and carrying large amounts of cash as a consumer is very high. So who carries large amounts of cash on them these days? Rather offer a cash discount if you really want to encourage that's, cash bus- yes, business. that's allowed but the but the basic advertised shelf, uh, shelf price or advertised price wherever can't be increased for any reason. So they can say, all right, we're giving you a 10% or 5% discount if you pay by cash, but they can't say, oh, you're paying by card, that's 5% extra. And that was the point that I wanted to make, the 5%. It's seldom as much as 5%. So there's often, an, you know, 
they they greasing that. They they bloating it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get they they're clawing back their bank charges, which is not allowed in the first place, and they're they're adding another little bit on. You know, it's it's really just not on. Uh, let's go to Steve in Pardon Island. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I've got a little workshop. Um, I don't make much money on it, so credit card machine we do have for the convenience of our clients. And I also ask them up front, are you paying with a card or are you paying with a, with cash or a check or however you're paying it? They say they're paying with a card. Anything over 4,000 Rand, then I'll add on 5%, which is my cover. If they don't want that, then they have the option of paying cash. If they pay cash, I don't pay fees to bank cash because I never bank cash. Cash I use to buy parts or other things for my business, and I never, and I don't think many businesses bank cash anymore anyway. Unless you're a Markham's or an Edgar's or a Puccini's group, because they have to. But most small businesses will never ever bank cash. Either it goes in your pocket, or it goes to buy parts for stuff for your for your business. But I give the option to the customer whether he wants to pay the five percent, and or he doesn't have to pay the five percent, and then he can pay the cash. Okay. Well, I have to say, Steve, what that that. Um, imposing extra uh, percentage on on a credit card payment or any card payment is not um, strictly legal. So you you taking the choice to do that. Um, it's my job to point out that that's not compliant. Convenience. So the speed point is there for their convenience. But if they want to use the speed point over a certain value, then they should pay for the for the commission of it. No, they're paying their own. We pay our own bank charges yes, as consumers. Sure. That's your banking details. And you, we're I'm not having, we're, I'm having it's, a speed point there for your, for your benefit, not for my okay. benefit. Okay, so well, that's an interesting way of looking at doing business. 5%. Otherwise, why must, the dealer, why, must, why must the merchant pay for that 5% for you to get uh, bonus miles and everything else with? <laughs> I'm sure that's you feel slightly differently when you're in the position of a con- no, of agree, the consumer. The Most small businesses, and the cash, as you say, will offset the one, will offset the other. Rubbish. If anybody's small businessman will either buy parts with it or buy things with that cash, or he'll put it in his pocket. One of the two. Thanks. Okay. Steve, Thank thanks you, Steve. for the call. Um, you see what consumers are up against. It's just not legal. Don't shoot yeah. the messenger. I'm just saying. Um, and often that kind of attitude bleeds through into other policies of a business, just saying. So, um, yeah, um, I do get this pushback quite a lot. Um, as I say, I don't make the rules. Um, the banks and the uh, legislators have said it's not okay, and it's up to consumers to make informed choices. So I always ask the question if you're dealing particularly with a small smaller, small, medium-sized business, ask what their um, policy is with regard to paying by card if that's your chosen payment method, and then you can decide before you hand your business to that company whether you wish to or not, based on their policies around card payments. Yeah, but as as uh, Steve has shown, it's not that easy to say to, to somebody it's just not legal. Um, because you do get that pushback. They Let's don't go- want to hear it. But yeah. as I'm saying, if you can, you can make an informed choice. Then you, you don't want to find out when they've done the service, and now you. Mm. Um, sometimes it's a service, not goods, and now you have to pay, <laughs> and and it's too late to decide that you will rather go to another service provider. Yeah. Let's go to Battis in Philadelphia. Battis, hi. Hi there. Good afternoon. Um, I've, I don't know if it's been around for a, a period of time, but in the last couple of months, I've um, noticed a worrying trend to me. I'm in a fortunate position where I use my credit card and pay it on a regular basis at the full amount that's outstanding. Um, but lately, I've noticed and buying groceries and even uh, liquor that I'm being offered a budget payment option on my credit card, um, which to me is a, is a very serious um, problem when, when you're dealing with customers who are uninformed 
buying goods that are going to be consumed within days and paying for it over six or 12 months. And I'm not talking about large purchases. I've even had this come up on the machine on offer on purchase of around 300 rand. Surely there's a responsibility on the banks to, to prevent this from happening or on the credit card companies. Well, it's an interesting question. Um, I think we consumers also have um, responsibilities over our own affairs. So, with, so those of us who have a budget facility on the credit card, I think it is a fair question for the cashier to ask. Um, which you know, the the budget facility you paid over longer, you pay a lot more interest, but you might be you might not be in a position to pay it on straight or whatever. And so, I, I don't think there's anything particularly sinister in asking the consumer which. You know, is it straight or budget? Because some consumers do have both facilities and, and have the, you know, it's up to them to make the choice. Um, it, the question of whether, you know, one should be buying basic commodities for small amounts on, you know, a budget facility is, is, a, is a far bigger, uh, is, a, is another debate. Mm. But I don't think there's anything um, particularly problematic in the cashiers asking that basic question about a payment method. No, no, I'm in agreement with you that that's where the problem lies for me. Uh, we have to accept that we live in a country where a large number of people are financially not uh, completely literate um, yeah. and they are, are easily pulled into these uh, these scams. That, that's why microlenders make so much money and why so many microlenders exist. Uh, yes. Because people are Informed about the situation, so it's very uh, easy for someone uh, in a financial yes. pinch, um, already with the petrol pricing going up and everything else that's going to follow onto that, to say I can't afford to pay all of this at the end of this month, so let's put it on six months. Um, but I'm going to consume the product within two days after I purchase yes. it. It becomes problematic no. in that we have a moral obligation to to the rest of the population um, and the banks, especially. Um, have, have that ob- obligation to, uh, to, to to help um, implement rules around w- what should be done and should not be done. But I'm, I'm going to ask you to just listen on the radio because um, uh, we have got a lot of consumer questions to get through and we've only got He's, uh, 15 yes. minutes left. But uh, Wendy, your response? He does make a very good point. Um, the lack of uh, financial understanding and astuteness out there is quite staggering. The one um, common complaint I get that involves a budget facility on a credit card is when people go to sign up for a gym and they're told, you know, if you sign up for a two-year contract or even a three-year contract, it's going to be much cheaper for you per month. And it is. But what they don't say is they put it on the budget facility of the credit card and you add all the interest charges. It's far it's, more expensive. Yeah. Yes. And that is, is… And then trying to get out of that contract is… Exactly. Another. It's unconscionable. It's a lovely word that the CPA uses and, and it is completely unconscionable. Um, so that's a, it's a, a typical um, abuse of that budget facility um, where it's actually being, it's being used by the service provider to dupe the consumer who doesn't know any better until they get that, um, that uh, credit card statement. So, so yes, I, 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 I will totally agree with his basic point about a budget facility being used in the wrong way. 
Okay, and then some very specific questions from some of the listeners. Ruth asks, what happens when a digit is left off an account and the bank adds a zero and somebody else yes. gets paid, which is oh, obviously happened to her. Um, we saw an extreme account, uh, case of that with the um, student who got the National Student Fund, oh, yes. 14 million or whatever it was. Million, yeah. um, we don't know what happened there, but all sorts of mistakes happen. I've taken up quite a she few spent cases. spent a lot of money before she played. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, how the mistake happened yeah. was not entirely. So, so the mistakes happen in a lot of way when we, ways when we go to pay somebody. Either you hit the wrong beneficiary. Um, so in what, I once paid TrueWords instead of Telcom, for example. Um, and, or, um, I had a woman who went to, Key and her, then she wanted to pay her rent and she left a number off, which is exactly what the caller is, is talking about. And the bank, uh, the ATM added and will add a zero in to make it a complete number and it went into some stranger's account in the same bank. Um, and it was, you know, six, seven thousand rand. And the person, a lot of people get, um, have a moral um, crisis and just, you know, they spend it quickly and so they don't have the money to pay it back. Um, and the banks take no responsibility for that, unfortunately. That one case I took up, it was, I remember she was an ICU nurse and then her life came cr- crumbling down and the bank, I don't know what they did, but that money was paid back into her account. The issue is the person who receives the unwanted, the, un- the, the, the unintentional gift, um, they're also a client of the bank and the bank won't intervene because they don't, you know, the, the person who claims it was a mistake could be lying and just want their money back you know there's all sorts mm. of scenarios so it does ultimately become um, a, a case to, to be taken on through the courts and most people that normally only happens when it's a very very large amount because the costs you can imagine of, of so going high. yes and it takes a long time to get your your time in court and all of that so it's <laughs> the advice is um, really the only proper advice I can give on that one is to be absolutely paranoid when you're making uh, doing an EFT um, check and recheck and recheck um, because um, uh, well I don't hear about the cases where people gladly hand it, pay back the money quickly I hear about the many cases where people just have a, a moral crisis and find themselves for whatever reason unable they see it as a gift from the universe you know because they're having a hard time and then they don't want to pay it back I, th- so I mean, the overriding message one. is that when it comes to money, you have to be hyper vigilant. Because Stanley also writes in now and says regarding the budget option, the option on the retailer's credit card machine defaults to number one, which is the budget option. Uh, that is not, yeah, that. And it does. I, I, you know, I did that yesterday. And you have to be hyper, hyper, hyper vigilant every time you hand over money or do a transaction. The other thing, well, when you talk about cards, on debit cards, they, the cashiers will always say savings. Now, savings sounds like the better account to have, but it's actually got much higher interest. So you need to be on a, on a, on a, um, uh, mm-hmm. what we, we call a check account rather, because it's better, you know, you have better deals, better fees and all that sort of thing. But I think many people are sitting with savings accounts. It sounds nice for them, but actually they're paying too much for their, Banking and that, so I mean, why why is the default savings? I always have to say no. They're ready to hit the savings thing. Like, no, 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 it's check account, current account. So that's another thing. If you're sitting with a savings account, just check what fees you're paying and what you would be paying if you switched to a current or so-called check account. Another question saying, I don't have a credit card at all. I only EFT or uh, use cash my entire life, but I can't hire a car as they mm. want a credit card. I mean that's yes, because they want to be able to take to money around. out of your account if you if you crash the mm. car. 
Yeah, I think that's. And please, please, if you catch, if you take a car, always take the super waiver. I need to get that in every time I mention the word car rental. So you reduce your, because even if it's not your fault, if there's a hailstorm or someone hits you from behind, you're responsible for that car, and it could cost you into the twenty something thousand on a standard waiver, and like maybe only about four on a super waiver. So it does cost you more per day, but. Don't take that risk because you can be completely not at fault and ruin your finances over an incident with a rental car. Have you dealt with a case like that? Many, 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 many. I had a car just for one day in Cape Town last week and I had paid 150 rand extra for the super waiver because my line of work makes me very risk averse. I don't, I, I just, yeah, not gonna I, take I a pay chance. the extra. And yeah. Of course, yes, it's not. There was no incident, and I overpaid by 150 rand, but it was a risk I was willing to take, because it just puts you, makes you too vulnerable. The standard waiver. Um, somebody asks, could you advise on whether retailers can refuse a certain bank card, like uh, American Express? I think they can, yes. Many will refuse Diners Club or American Express. It's something to do with the fact that they are not classic. Um, credit cards. So I know, for example, when chargeback first came to the fore and a whole lot of airlines were collapsing, budget airlines, um, those people who had paid with Diners Club um, as opposed to, you know, a, a Standard Bank MasterCard or whatever, didn't get the benefit of chargeback, which is you get your money refunded if you've paid with a credit card. And the answer from Diners, it's not, it's a, it's not a classic credit card. It doesn't go through the, the, the international credit card system. So that's the reason why um, there is that refusal. Okay. Mareka asks, um, and this is uh, quite a long story, so I'll, I'll read it quite quickly, but Mareka says she took over an MWeb fiber contract from the owner of a house that she purchased in June. The contract was for 759 rand a month. The contract would end at the end of February 2019. All was in order, but at the beginning of September, her account was debited for 779. She says she called into query, was told the fees had increased, but she was not notified. She says she was not notified um, and asked for proof. And they told me to then log a complaint on their online portal where they told me that uh, emails were sent and they closed my query. They will not look at the matter again. Three days ago, I got a mail from MWeb with updated terms of use. Mareka asks, is this legal? It's a fixed term uh, for two years and I did not receive any notification before the increase. Okay. Um, my first thought is that she didn't sign this contract. I don't, she doesn't say whether she, when she bought the house, she then um, made contact with MWeb and said, new owner, I don't want to go through the step of having another installation. Can I take over this account? And everything was then formally, because it is a contract, transferred into her name, her bank account, etc. Um, I would imagine unless she was paying cash every month that there would have been um, in other words, if she was if she was instigating she the payments, mm, they wouldn't have, have had, they wouldn't have known. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that the emails and whatever might have gone to the previous owner of the house. She doesn't made that clear, but um, yeah, I would have to have the full story before I um, could engage properly because there should be notification, ideally, of a well, not ideally, there should be notification of an increase in this case, twenty rand a month, because it's contrary to the original contract, but. It, for me, boils down to whether she officially became the new 
um, contractor or whether she just took over payment, which is never a good idea. So, for example, a lot of people will take over someone's installment transfer. They'll take over some paying someone's car, which leaves you vulnerable because the car still belongs to um, it's, it's, it's bad for both sides. Um, the castle, the bank doesn't have a relationship with you. It's an illegal um, transaction that happened there. So if you, go, if you taking over a contract needs to be done very formally and officially, and not um, as a as a casual relationship. Right. Let's uh, quickly go to John in Azerfontein. John, what's your question for Wendy? Yes, good afternoon, Professor and, and uh, Wendy. You know, it, it's just simply a, a statement. I heard that caller with regard to charging extra for the use of a credit card. Uh, well, I mean, firstly, I wouldn't do business with anyone like, with an attitude like that. But secondly, I did uh, somebody did try to catch me that way. It was a guest house up in Swellendam, actually, and I wanted to pay by credit card. They offered the, the facility. And uh, they said, no, uh, I would have to pay an extra 5%. So I said, well, no, that's fine in that case. Then you must give me an invoice now that spells out exactly mm-hmm. how the payment is made up. In other words, the payment for me staying there plus the 5% for using the credit card and then the total at the bottom, and I will get my credit card receipt which reflects that total. I shall then claim that 5% back from the bank who did assure me that the use of my credit card would not uh, incur any further expenses and very quickly the 5% they wanted to charge me. <laughs> so, John, I, I love that. I love that so much. Absolutely. Lovely, lovely. Because as I said right from the beginning about this issue, consumers, we pay our own bank fees and retailers need to pay theirs and just work them into the the cost of their goods and services. It's not okay to make consumers pay extra if they choose to use a card. So well done you. And certainly the merchant would never, the, the, the bank rather, would never have condoned that. As you say, they've, they've told you that you mustn't pay any extra. And if the service provider, if the merchant um, re- took the trouble to read the terms and conditions of the contract that they signed with the bank that provides them with that um, card facility, it would state there very clearly that they may not pass on their charges, their bank charges to, um, to their customers. So it's all wrong and it shouldn't happen. And the more consumers know about this, um, the better. But that's the most creative handling of that that I've heard um, ever, John. So congratulations to you on that. I'm certainly going to be mentioning that <laughs> when I discuss this topic in future. Thanks. For well, have a, have a good afternoon. Thank you so much. Thanks, John, okay. for the call. We've got just enough time to quickly go to Eugene in Somerset West. Hi there. How are you guys? Good, Eugene. Good, Eugene. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just sounding with respect to the question about the Amex or the American Express card and the Diners cards. Unless the merchant actually applies for the facilities from those companies, his little point-of-sale machine won't accept it. So, okay, so he might, if he's declining, well. it's because, if he's declining, yeah. it's because he doesn't have those bank identification numbers on his card machine. Eugene, right, thanks for, for clearing that yeah. up. It's separate from your Visa and MasterCard, so that's the problem with that one. And the chargeback is only offered by Visa and MasterCard. So, yeah, just know that you've got those other cards, you don't have the protection of chargeback, which for me is the biggest advantage of, of a credit card. So if you don't get what you paid for, you go via the bank. You don't have to get your hands dirty. You complain to your bank and you prove that you didn't get what you paid for, such as buying a ticket on a on a um, airline that then collapses before you can take advantage of it um, and then the, your bank goes to the bank of the of the merchant and gets your money back and it's, puts it in your account. I've had personal experience of this. It's fantastic. But know that those other cards, your Amex and your Diners card, don't offer that protection to consumers.
Wendy, we have dozens of other questions that we can't get to. I think this is definitely a topic that you're going to have to return to with, with, with Pippa. <laughs> For sure. Um, a Thanks, reminder Mel. to listeners, if you do have a, a consumer issue that you'd like uh, Wendy to address, you can send her an email, consumer at NOLA, K-N-O-W-L-E-R dot C-O dot Z-A, or you can contact her via her Facebook page, Wendy NOLA Consumer. Please put Cape Talk in the subject line. Um, Wendy gets uh, queries from all over the country, so it just helps her to kind of narrow down where the question is coming from, and then a word or two describing what your problem is. It is not possible for Wendy to get through all of the queries that she has. Um, I know, Wendy, you try your very, very best, and, and we try and identify common problems. Um, yes, it is a great a source of sadness and regret um, for me that I can't get to every single one. So I, I do try, but it, the, it is a deluge, and I'm a team of one, so I, I, I have to sort of make peace with the fact that I do my best, and and that's that. So apologies to anyone whose email I have not responded to. We ask for your patience and your understanding. Wendy Nola, thank you so much uh, for this thank edition you, of uh, Consumer Talk, and you'll be back with Pippa again next week. I will indeed. Thanks.